This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is an apostrophe podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. You put your creation in front of very credible investors, and they look you square in the eyes and go, This is weird. I'm not investing in this. Joe Jebbia. Back in the mid-80s, Three young boys spent their days puzzling their parents. Brian Chesky grew up in Albany, New York. The son of social workers, Chesky had an innate passion for making things better. At Christmas, he wouldn't ask for toys so he could play with them. He'd ask for toys so he could take them apart, then redesign them to be more functional, more beautiful, then put them back together. And if his letters to Santa didn't ask for a Rubik's Cube or a screwdriver, the youngster requested only one thing. Disney stocks. 
That way, in their mailbox each year, the Cheskies would find a copy of the company's annual reports, including the renderings of its latest slate of rides and roller coasters, which, naturally, Chesky would study, then redesign. His teachers saw great promise in the curious boy. But Chesky said it best when he chose his favorite Jerry Seinfeld quote for his high school yearbook, I'm sure I'll amount to nothing. His parents told him to, like them, pick a job he loved. Only, unlike them, they implored their son to choose a career that also paid a lot of money. So, Brian Chesky enrolled at the Rhode Island School of Design to study illustration. And his mother said, Oh great, you somehow managed to pick the only job in the world that pays less than social work. Fifteen hours south in Atlanta, Georgia, was another young boy with a love of illustration. In the third grade, Joe Jebbia took it upon himself to start his own business selling drawings of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to his classmates for two bucks a pop. It was a success. That is, until the parents of said classmates complained. So he was forced to direct his attention elsewhere. Growing up in the 80s, Jebbia was fascinated with the advent of the dot-com startup. He read article after article every day, telling stories of the latest company to go digital. And this magical place called... Silicon Valley. Jebbia later said he knew instinctively those stories planted a very deep seed inside him that one day he would be part of it all. So, after high school, he applied to the Rhode Island School of Design to study graphic and industrial design. Meanwhile, over in Boston, Massachusetts... Nathan Blacharzik, the son of an electrical engineer, could be found sitting on the grass in his family's backyard, taking apart a Xerox copier and examining each piece carefully. He loved figuring out how things worked. And one day, while homesick from school and presumably with no electronics left in the house to dismantle, the 12-year-old slid a book off his father's bookshelf about computer language. He devoured it before bedtime, and that Christmas, he asked for another. This time, about Microsoft's programming language. And before his sophomore year, the teen had taught himself to code. After school, Blacharzik started writing sophisticated programs and posting them online. One piece of code allowed personal computer users to place a digital sticky note on their screens and his ideas started gaining somewhat of a fan base. Soon he was being commissioned to write code. One company even offered to pay him $1,000. His parents cautioned him it might have been a scam. No one would pay someone $1,000 over the internet. But the clients and their checks kept coming, hiring Blacharzik to facilitate their email marketing. Suddenly, the high school junior was earning six figures. Then, by 2002, his bank account totaled nearly $1 million. That is, 
until the brand new world of email marketing got an even newer, perhaps more apt name. Spam. And Blacharzik closed down operations, just in time for college. The good news for Blacharzik was suddenly tuition wasn't much of a concern. The prodigy would get the best education money could buy, a Harvard education, studying computer science. But we'll circle back to Blicharzik in just a moment. For now, let's head to Rhode Island. It was in their freshman year at the Rhode Island School of Design, or RISD, that Brian Chesky and Joe Jebbia would meet one fateful day. They both enrolled in industrial design classes and were paired up on various projects. In their time at RISD, the Fast Friends designed a shirt made entirely out of soap, a donut-shaped pillow called a crit bun to keep comfy during long art school critiques, and the pair organized the marketing, funding, and uniforms for the college's first-ever sports teams. Jebbia says the latter was no easy feat. A sports team at an art school didn't exactly sell tickets. But by their senior year, the college's hockey and basketball teams drew impressive student crowds, even from neighboring schools. Chesky said he noticed when he and Jebbia were at the wheel, ideas seemed to always get bigger, never smaller. Jebbia said together they did things differently than everyone else, adding... He bet one day they could start a company together. In the summer of 2005, while hordes of art school grads sketched out their next steps, Joe Jebbia knew exactly what he was going to do. The Mecca was calling. He would sell the things he didn't need, shove the rest into his trunk, and drive across the country to San Francisco. He had a job lined up for himself as a graphic designer for a publishing company in the Bay Area. But just as he wrapped up his farewell yard sale, a red Mazda pulled up. A man got out and perused Jebbia's original artwork. He ended up buying a painting, and as he handed Jebbia the cash, the two got to talking. Turns out the man had recently joined the Peace Corps and was only in Providence for one night. He didn't know a soul. So Jebbia took him out for a drink. And as the pair chatted, Jebbia asked the man where he was staying that night. He told him he hadn't actually found a place. So Jebbia said, Hey, you can stay on an airbed in my living room. As Jebbia lay in bed that night, he thought, What have I done? There was a total stranger asleep in his living room. He was far too anxious to sleep. So he slid out of bed, tiptoed across the room, and locked his bedroom door. Luckily, he had nothing to worry about. The next morning, his new friend was off, and it wasn't long before Jebbia, too, would hit the road. When Jebbia arrived in San Francisco in 2005, Forbes had just named the Golden City among the most overpriced in the United States. Rent was astronomical. So Jebbia put out an ad on Craigslist for a roommate, and he got a response from one Nathan Lecharsik. 
Fresh out of Harvard, Blacharzik was embarking on a career as a software engineer. And where better for a coding whiz to cut his teeth than Silicon Valley? The two were about the same age, similar interests, similar situations. So Jebia gave Blacharzik a room. But it was over the following months Jebia realized just how much he and Blacharzik actually had in common. Their schedules were similar, so after work they'd both return home at the same time and work maniacally on their own projects. Jebia said Blacharzik's work ethic left such an impression on him that he thought if he ever were in need of a software engineer, he'd know exactly who to call. But in October of 2007, San Francisco rent skyrocketed yet again, and their landlord increased their rent by 25%. It was too much for Blacharzik. He was forced to move out, leaving Jebia to cover the rent solo. So he picked up the phone. Jebia called Brian Chesky, who, after their college days, had moved out to Los Angeles to become an industrial designer. What Jebia learned over the phone was that his good friend was struggling. Turns out industrial design wasn't all it was cracked up to be, and Chesky was feeling disheartened. He said one day he was driving, as one does in L.A., when he realized the road in front of him looked the same as the road behind him, and that thought stopped him in his tracks. He didn't want to take the road well-traveled. He craved a detour. So Jebia made him an offer. He said, come to San Francisco. They could both quit their jobs and start a company together like they always wanted. And Chesky said, okay. He quit his job in L.A. He broke up with his girlfriend. He stuffed his bags and a foam mattress into his Honda Civic. And with $1,000 in checking, he was on his way. Chesky said living with Jebia reminded him of their RISD days. There was just one teensy tiny fly in the expensive ointment. They couldn't afford their rent. So Chesky said, with their backs against the wall and only ramen noodles in the cupboard, they decided to put their RISD degrees to good use and design their way out of the problem. As designers, Jebia and Chesky had their fingers on the Silicon Valley pulse, and they knew that coming up the following weekend was a major annual design conference, which attracted fellow creatives from all over the country and beyond. They were lucky enough to live right down the street. But for the thousands of other attendees, finding accommodations would be tricky. Splayed out across the conference's website were the words, Hotels Sold Out. And that's when Jebia remembered a certain red Mazda pulling up to his Rhode Island yard sale. So he thought, what if they rented out their extra bedroom online? It didn't have a bed in it, but Chesky had his foam mattress and Jebia still had his airbed. Sort of a bed and breakfast, but an airbed and breakfast. Chesky and Jebia set up a simple WordPress site, airbedandbreakfast.com, to outline their offer. 
a place to stay for cheap in one of the most expensive cities in the country. They sent it to blogs around the Bay Area to promote it. And shockingly, within one day, they got three requests. A 35-year-old woman from Boston, a father of four from Utah, and a businessman from India. So, Jebbia and Chesky set up three mattresses around their apartment. But they didn't stop there. They also picked up their guests from the airport, provided them with transit passes, maps of the city, and they even went all together to the conference. Chesky and Jebbia were feeling really good about their idea. So, they figured, what better place to test the waters than a sold-out conference surrounded by tech folk? So when Chesky spotted a well-known designer in the crowd he'd looked up to for years, he decided to approach him. Chesky introduced himself, then pitched air bed and breakfast. But the respected designer simply said, I hope that's not the only thing you're working on. All in all, in just one weekend, Chesky and Jebbia made $1,000 and three new friends. Their guests raved about the experience. In fact, they decided to keep in contact. That holiday season, the pair went home to visit their families and were asked about what big, interesting things they were doing over in California. And the only story they had to share was that of their airbed triumph. But they got mixed reactions. People either thought it was the coolest idea in the world or absolutely hated it. Some of the feedback included words like bizarre and creepy. But either which way, no one really took it seriously. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Jebia and Chesky got back to their apartment in San Francisco, they weren't yet ready to put their idea to bed. One concept they tossed around was a roommate matching website. Sort of Craigslist meets Facebook for roommates. People everywhere needed roommates. So for a couple weeks, they really dug into that idea. Then on week four, they decided to type roommates.com into Google, only to realize that concept under that name already existed. So they decided to go back to their original idea, temporary roommates, maybe just a weekend or a night, tied to a local event. If they made a website that cross-referenced a list of local events with a list of local hosts or people with airbeds slash spare rooms, Folks who couldn't find a hotel or didn't want to pay hotel prices could still find a place to lay their heads. But to do that, they'd need a website. And to do that, they'd need someone who could code. Where, oh where, could they find a software engineer with a solid work ethic? In January of 2008... Jebia called his old roommate, Nathan Blacharzik, and asked him what he was up to these days. Well, interestingly, Blacharzik had just quit his job, and his schedule was wide open. So Jebia told him all about he and Chesky's idea. Blacharzik loved it and hopped on board immediately. The website would take three weeks to build, and in the meantime, they'd need to launch with a bang— at a big event where they'd get noticed. And it just so happened, coming up that March, was South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, an annual festival and conference with over 100,000 attendees. It also happened to be the festival at which many of Silicon Valley's biggest companies had launched, including Twitter. One week before the event, the website was officially ready and they got six local hosts to list their homes. But only two guests signed up, and one was Brian Chesky. Jebia, Blacharzik, and Chesky were completely demoralized. Two guests did not a successful company make. But Chesky decided to follow through with his stay. He flew to Austin for the weekend to sleep at a stranger's house. And when he got back, Chesky had two major insights to share with his team. One, exchanging money in person is awkward, especially inside someone's home. 
and two. Staying at someone's home gets you more of that personal touch, like local recommendations and even home-cooked meals. Meanwhile, the team back at Air Bed and Breakfast HQ had some insights of their own. Some of the guests, both from South by Southwest and the Silicon Valley Design Conference, had contacted them asking if they could offer listings that weren't necessarily tied to an event. For example, if they were just going to New Orleans on vacation, could they stay at someone's home? There was a lot to unpack. The team assembled. To solve the awkward exchange of cash, they'd have to build the capability to accept credit cards on their site. Prepayments not only alleviated discomfort for guests, they provided a certain comfort to hosts. This plan also gave the founders a clear business model. Funds from guests would go directly to hosts. Air, bed, and breakfast would simply take a transaction fee. And lastly, they debated the concept of their platform being untethered to certain events. Blacharzik was really unsure. He thought the idea of staying at a stranger's house was grounded in the fact you knew why that stranger was there. It added a degree of credibility to the whole interaction. But on the other hand, being untethered would expand their market and provide users with the chance to experience new cities like a local, to belong anywhere. So they decided to give it a go. Their launch at South by Southwest was extremely disappointing. But Chesky remembered a saying, If you launch and no one notices, launch again. Enter the 2008 National Democratic Convention. In the summer of 2008, Senator Barack Obama and former First Lady and Senator Hillary Clinton were neck and neck for the Democratic presidential nomination. And that year, the convention was to be held at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. A hundred thousand people were expected to attend. Except Denver reportedly only had 17,000 hotel rooms. And they were all booked up. Demand became so high, the mayor of Denver considered opening up city parks to campers. So the air, bed, and breakfast team saw an opportunity. If they timed it right, they could relaunch on the coattails of the event's press to bring awareness to their brand. They flew to Denver and started meeting with folks before the convention. Denver locals looking to get out of town ahead of the chaos leaving their homes or rooms vacant, and Denver newspapers looking for pre-convention content. They managed to get some local press, which turned into statewide press. And that statewide press went national. Suddenly, CNN was calling. They were interviewed via satellite on live TV. Following that interview... 800 hosts signed up for air, bed, and breakfast, and 100 people booked a stay. They started getting their first-ever customer service calls to their cell phones. Blacharzik said it was everything one would want in a launch. Jebia said it was a rocket ship to the moon. They were introduced to 20 investors in Silicon Valley. 
then, one week later, it all came crashing down. Just as quickly as the hype ignited about air, bed, and breakfast, it all but disappeared. After the Democratic National Convention, their revenue, press, users, and relevance dropped down to nothing. Of those 20 investors, 10 replied to their emails. Five of those agreed to meet for coffee, and zero invested in them. Here are some of the reasons for rejection cited by investors. Not our area of focus. Not enough traction. Not excited about travel-related businesses. Potential opportunity doesn't seem large enough. We can't wrap our minds around air mattresses on living room floors as the next hotel room. And unlikely to take on the hotel market. The founders had already blown past their half-a-shoestring budget. Their debt was mounting. They reached out to angel investors and managed to land one meeting. But partway through their coffee date, the investor got up and walked out. No explanation, no excuse, just a half-drank smoothie left on the table. The economy was tipping into a massive recession. That meant startup funding was on a steep decline. Sequoia Capital, the most preeminent venture capital firm in Silicon Valley, published a statement saying the good times were over, that everyone needed to save up capital because they might not be able to fundraise again. Lecharzik said investors ran from them like they were the plague. Jebia said 2008 was the worst year of his life. The reasons behind the rejections weren't lost on Jebia. He said, we've all been taught since we were kids that strangers equal danger. No one in their right mind would invest in a service predicated upon the idea that you can trust strangers entering your home, that required people to list photos of their most intimate spaces online, the kinds of rooms you'd usually close the door to when people came over. It didn't really make sense, and yet they'd seen it work in real time. Jebia said they put so much into their idea and presented it to the most credible investors, those that spotted Google, PayPal, and YouTube in their earliest incarnations, those with the sharpest instincts for innovation. And he said he had to sit there as they looked him straight in the eye and told him their idea was worthless. At this point... Jebia, Chesky, and Blacharzik had a baseball card album full of maxed-out credit cards. 20 or 30 cards, with over $50,000 between them. Every month, their statement balances increased, with no discernible way to bring them down. Chesky said it was like the world's most effective weight loss program. The financial stress mixed with the inability to afford much food. Every night he'd go to bed sure tomorrow would turn a new leaf. Then he'd wake up the next morning consumed with total dread, like Groundhog Day. For the first time, they wondered if they should quit. Then, one night at 2 a.m., Jebia and Chesky came up with an idea. They knew a couple things were true. 
In order to entice travelers, they needed to offer a personal experience. Their very name, Airbed and Breakfast, suggested an airbed, yes, but it also suggested breakfast. And unrelated. They had already made a ton of contacts in the political world during their promotion at the Democratic National Convention. So, was there a way to leverage both the breakfast piece of their company and appeal to political journalists? After all, the 2008 election was just two months away. So that's when they came up with an outside-the-box idea. What if they mailed their hosts breakfast to serve to their guests? And what if that breakfast was presidentially-themed cereal? Jebbia and Chesky came up with two flavors, Obama O's, the breakfast of change, and Captain McCain's, a maverick in every bite. They figured maybe Obama supporters would open their homes to other Obama supporters, and the same for McCain. They called Kellogg's and General Mills to set up a meeting. But before they could finish their pitches, the companies hung up the phone. So they called local cereal brands, who said, great, they were happy to work with them for a non-refundable deposit of $250,000. There weren't enough baseball card albums in the world to hold the credit cards they'd need for that kind of debt. So they called up an old RISD alum, an illustrator who could design and print the boxes and would agree to a commission-based fee. But without a cereal company like Kellogg's, what would go inside the boxes, you ask? Well, the answer was Kellogg's. They bought cereal at the grocery store, poured the contents into their own boxes, and slapped on a new name. They stuffed 500 boxes total, call it a limited edition run, and priced them at $40 a box. Then... They mailed a hundred boxes to reporters. And within one week, they were back on CNN for a second time. Actually, they became the top CNN.com video of the day. Good Morning America did a story on their company. And soon they were selling a box every three minutes. Then they sold out of Obama O's. And within one week, the serial entrepreneurs had made $30,000. With some of their credit card debt paid back, they bought themselves a little more time. The trio went to President Obama's inauguration in D.C. and handed out flyers, telling locals to rent their room. And some people did. One even listed a walk-in closet. The company founders stayed at an airbed and breakfast while in D.C., along with other guests, the trio on their airbeds upstairs, handling the emails of a disgruntled guest staying downstairs. But by early 2009, it just wasn't working. More hosts had popped up on their site, but they were earning only $200 a week between the three of them. And for a second time, they wondered if they should quit. Then one night while out to dinner, brainstorming, 
a mentor of theirs had an idea. It was suggested to Blacharzik, Jebia, and Chesky that they apply to a three-month California accelerator program called Y Combinator. In other words, a venture that promotes and aids the rapid growth of select new small businesses. They quickly googled Y Combinator on their phones, but turns out the deadline to apply had passed the night before. So their mentor hastily emailed the head of the program, venture capitalist and entrepreneur Paul Graham. And Graham emailed back, saying if they got their application in by midnight, he'd take a look. So the three founders sprinted home and pounded out the application just ahead of the deadline. And lo and behold, air, bed, and breakfast was accepted for a five-minute interview. The first thing Paul Graham asked the three 20-somethings sitting across from him was, so people are really doing this? What's wrong with them? They weren't off to a great start. Graham wasn't interested in air, bed, and breakfast at all. So instead, he tried convincing the trio to spend their time on other projects, like, say, starting a bank. Their five minutes were up, and the three founders walked out of Graham's office defeated. But before closing the door behind them, Jebia pulled a box of Obama O's out of his bag and handed it to Graham. Graham said, Did you buy this for me? And Jebia said, No, we made it. In that moment, Jebia told Graham the wild story of the Obama O's. Then they left. But on the car ride home, they got a phone call. It was Graham. Graham said to the three founders, If you can convince people to buy a $4 box of cereal for $40, maybe you can convince people to let strangers sleep in their rooms. The Obama O's story told Graham two things, that the airbed guys were scrappy and resourceful. It was the peak of the Great Recession. Graham said they were in a, quote, investor nuclear winter. His job was to look for people who wouldn't die. And the three guys in front of him were clearly cockroaches. So he offered them a spot in the program. Air, bed, and breakfast received $20,000 in funding, plus advice from top investors. They made a goal for themselves to achieve, quote, ramen profitability, meaning earning $1,000 a week, the bare minimum to pay their rent and buy their noodles. They drew a graph with a red line indicating said ramen profitability. And every time they inched closer to their goal, they'd color in the progress. There were sticky note graphs all over the apartment the three were now sharing. In the bathroom, over the fireplace, on the fridge. Graham's major piece of advice was to go out and meet their customers. So they traveled to densely populated cities like New York and met with a few of their hosts. They noticed many of their hosts' listing photos on their site were taken on flip phone cameras. So Chesky rented a professional camera and took high-res photos of their homes himself. It was a no-brainer. 
the hosts preferred when their homes looked sharp, and guests were more likely to stay at a home that presented nicely in photos. Next, they asked their hosts what they could do to improve their site, and took extensive notes. It was then that they learned that if they were going to position themselves as an alternative to hotels, they needed to be equally convenient. At that time, it took guests a total of 10 clicks to book with a host. Far too much opportunity for customer loss. So they condensed the steps and came up with a three-click system. The results? High-quality photos, enhanced property descriptions, simpler functionality, better relationships with their customers, and their revenue jumped from $200 a week to $400. Suddenly, the hosts they'd met with doubled their bookings, and friends of those hosts wanted in on the action. Listings started popping up in places the three founders had never even visited, some outside of the United States. Y Combinator helped get them in front of investors, and there was a clear pattern. Older investors didn't get it at all, but younger investors were actually enthusiastic. And as their growth steadied, that's when Sequoia Capital called. Remember them? The most preeminent venture capital firm in Silicon Valley? Well, they offered Air Bed and Breakfast its first round of financing at $600,000. Reportedly, it was one of the quickest investments the firm had ever made. Now the founders could hire a small team. They added rating systems, started sharing stories of happy hosts and guests, and in March of 2009, Air Bed and Breakfast shortened its name to Airbnb. That year, Jebia, who regularly scanned the site for new hosts, came across the craziest listing he'd ever seen. Someone had posted an entire five-acre private island in Fiji. He couldn't believe it. And they got their first celebrity user, Barry Manilow's drummer. Hey, it was a start. By 2010, Airbnb's usership soared to 50,000, then into the 100,000s and counting. Safe to say it surpassed ramen profitability. Suddenly, their graph looked like a hockey stick. And with that came the next round of funding, a number the trio could have never imagined. 7.2 million. The following year, Airbnb reached its one millionth booking, and funding jumped again to 112 million from multiple investors, including Ashton Kutcher. In 2012, the number of bookings surpassed 5 million, then 10. By 2015, they counted 140 million guest arrivals in over 200 countries, and funding reached 1.5 billion, making Brian Chesky, Nathan Blacharzik, and Joe Jebia the first ever sharing economy billionaires. And in 2020, Airbnb the company labeled as lacking potential, 
rejected by investors, venture capitalists, and designers, called weird, and told it would never be able to take on the hotel market when public. And within just a few hours, the stock reached $146 a share, tipping the company's valuation over $100 billion. More than the Hilton, Marriott, and Hyatt Hotels combined. Airbnb is a huge success today. Try imagining the pitch back in 2008. Have strangers come sleep in your home. As you've just heard in this amazing story, that idea elicited blank stares from everyone who heard it. Investors walked away before the pitch was even finished. Then came the biggest setback of all, the Great Recession. The founders considered quitting so many times. This is the most brutal phase when you're trying to get a unique idea off the ground. When you've maxed out your stamina, your hope, and your credit cards. Where you've sacrificed everything, but your idea doesn't click with the market yet. It's like two gears struggling to mesh. There is a term for this period in the startup world. It's called the trough of sorrow. It's that long, bleak stretch when you seem to make zero progress. You experience the most rejections and demoralizing setbacks. There's a tendency in the trough of sorrow to lose your focus, or to compromise your vision, or to lose faith completely. But there can be another side to that trough. The imposing brick wall you're staring at can make you more resourceful. The forced introspection makes you drill down to the very core of your idea and distill it over and over again so that your pitch becomes crisper and clearer. Then the setbacks that seemed to hobble you suddenly contain an opportunity. When the Airbnb founders couldn't find any financial backing because of the freeze of the Great Recession, the recession offered a silver lining. The longer it lasted, the more people looked for ways to make additional cash, and other people wanted to find cheaper ways to travel. The timing of those two needs finally closed the gap in the Airbnb gears. But the key to winning was surviving the trough of sorrow. One of the investors who passed on Airbnb keeps a box of Obama-O's on the mantle in his boardroom. He keeps it there as a warning. It's to remind his company that they missed out on one of the biggest opportunities of the decade. They didn't believe when the founders did. Never, ever give up. Airbnb. Boats, 5,600. Castles, 3,500. Yurts, 2,800. Tree houses, 2,600. Private islands, 
1,600. Lighthouses, 300. Igloos, 140. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded remotely this time in London, England. This series is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Engineer, Jeff Devine. We regret to inform you, our producer is Debbie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. Follow us on Instagram at apostrophe pod. If you enjoyed this episode, you may also like Rejecting Netflix from Season 2. Rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. And while you're there, let us know of any rejection stories you'd like to hear. This series is executive produced by Terry O. Influence. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.